0: Hello everyone, welcome to the new episode of Everyday Talkies. Now before you jump on to listening to this episode, wait, take a breath, smile. Get your regular dose of life-changing entropy here on Everyday Talkies. Hello guys, welcome to the new episode of Everyday Talk. We're back with another episode of the series Guns, Jumps and Steel. This episode is called Histories, Haves and Have-Nots. Though I'm not very sure how is this title apt for this episode, but whatever. And welcome our co-host Pushkar. Hello.
1: Hello. Okay, I I won't spoil anything, but I was expecting more. So,
0: you know, let's do something different. You know, people have been hearing his like, you know, recap and all of that. We will do. We'll come to that
1: yeah see about the recaps uh, i was gonna tell you like uh, at some point we'll have to stop recapping everything because uh, i can't recap 20 chapters when we reach to chapter 21.
0: oh come on you have to don't worry just make it faster I'm sure because see the central theme remains the same but yeah let's check that let's do the recap thing and then I'll ask you the special question but uh, go ahead give us a quick recap for the people who are joining us directly and people don't worry you can join us from this episode itself we'll be very very happy if you listen the past 4 or 5 episodes but we'll give you a quick recap and we'll proceed by telling you what we've learned from the book Guns, Germs and Steel so Pushkar all over to you
1: yeah so this whole thing is basically our, our discussion regarding the book which asks the question why did civilization across the world grow at different rates in different points of time and how it gave them advantages over one another and the collisions that led how they were uh, unbalanced. So first we learned about the origin of uh, human species and how we spread across the world. Initiating in Africa, we covered everything from 7 million years to 13,000 years. And uh, then we saw two examples of natural experiments, one in uh, Polynesia, one in South America, where, where a certain group of people had an unfair advantage over a certain other group of people and how that led to the destruction of those other people. And now we're here talking about farming.
0: Cool. So, you know, before jumping into all of this, this is the fifth chapter, you know, and if you count in the prologue, we have read a considerable amount portion of the book and there is a lot to go. So what are your views until now because now we'll be you know moving into the second part of the book where you know we'll talk will be dwelling more into farming and how it developed how crops developed in different parts of the world but until now how are you feeling about the book um
1: you know like it's it's weird because we're recording this episode like a few days after the last one And I had really been dragging my feet over reading the next chapter because what is this? Chapter 5, right? Because Chapter 4, I found fairly like we're just repeating the same stuff over and over again. And I thought maybe Chapter 5 would be different. But so far, it's just been throwing more and more information, more and more theorizing without any solid answers. So, I'm kind of getting tired of the whole repetitiveness. Hopefully, it uh, changes. Hopefully, we see something more interesting. I mean, it's not bad in any way. As good as it is to learn about these things, about the very origins of uh, human civilization regarding food production and all this, it is, I mean, to put it in a very, uh, very shallow way, it is very boring.
0: Okay, I respect your views. Actually, for me, it's very opposite, right? I'm not sure like how much of non-fiction, maybe because you're more, you know, attuned towards fiction books. I think that is why there is that inherent bias
1: inside you. And no, maybe it's not that exactly, but just the style of writing is also very dry. So, you know, you don't really feel engaged. Like for example, so if you read like other non-fiction, if you read like Yuval Noah Harari, yeah, like, yeah. it's a little bit more interesting. It's written in a little bit more interesting way. Yeah, it
0: Makes sense. I understand Yuval Noah Harari has its own chap and he writes in a way where he's venting out his frustration about the frustration of how, why human species even developed on this entire universe
1: I mean it's not it's not completely factual but it's uh, at least a little bit more entertaining Yeah, and yeah, you kind yeah. of uh, realize why he's much more famous than Jared Diamond
0: <laughs> I do understand but you know coming from, come from a point where I started reading books like I got introduced to books via non-fiction right and uh, yeah, I lost that touch probably when I was in college uh, when I met you <laughs> and I discovered the world of fiction and no, I was spying crazy amount of books there and reading fiction books.
1: You make it sound like I kind of threw you away from non-fiction books and not college itself.
0: <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It was, I think, you and even in class 11-12, uh, Vivek also had introduced me to Dan Brown. So, yeah, that was the whole thing uh, came to... But, you know, I don't... Uh, like, I love fiction from time to time, right? And I enjoy reading them. But in this last couple of months, when I started reading non-fiction again, that inherent, inherent curiosity to know more, to learn more has reached a peak and I'm reading like three non-fiction at the same time. I've stopped all my fiction books like what is happening with me I have no idea. Uh, Moving on about this book right I do understand that there are certain items which are repeating because you know you see the common theme that how geography plays a huge role in how civilizations develop right and obviously he's not answering the question which we were were posed in the prologue section right Yali's question and I think my theory is that in the entire book he will not answer that question because (laughs) the question is so difficult that you can't just answer it right away right like even today there can be some discoveries which can you know disprove some of his hypothesis
1: yeah but then it, do- it doesn't seem a little bit clickbaity to uh, kind of <laughs> hear like- pose this whole question and then not uh, going so far as to answer it after like 500-600 pages. At least in fiction, you get a resolution. If you don't, then it's considered a bad book.
0: Well, now we are going, we
1: are uh, treading into the territory fiction versus non-fiction. This is not a, a overall thoughts on our book. That will come at the end of the series. Uh, let's just jump into the chapter that we have
0: at hand. Cool. Yeah, but okay guys, just don't get demotivated by Pushkar's bashing. Okay, <laughs> do continue to listen to us. Because even though Pushkar says no, I'll make make sure that he reads all the chapters.
1: No, no, I'm going to like the chapters, the chapter names itself uh, after like a while are really interesting. So, yes. there is like interesting stuff to come. It's just that we've hit kind of a rough patch in the middle, I think.
0: But let's start, right? The book basically starts by understanding why did food production develop first in some regions and later in other regions. Basically the same old question that why were some areas more modern than the other ones and now we bring it down, we narrow the question more down to farming. And then he mentions that, he mentions certain uh, facts which might be interesting for all of us uh, here that obviously we know there are there is no farming in Antarctic region or the Arctic region but I was very shocked to hear that no farming developed in areas like California or you know in US, in Argentina or even in south africa when it's africa being the birth ground of you there was no farming until the later years and similarly okay australia i understand but yeah mainly california and uh, australia even in some european areas if you see the major england area and all of these areas did not develop farming at all which makes you wonder that we have been saying that you know africa is the birth ground of humans and europeans were the one who colonized most of the entire world then why didn't really why didn't farming really develop in those areas first and you know, rather it developed more in this, uh, what was this uh, nice name, Fertile Crescent,
1: right? Which was Yeah, there were, there were five different places. Uh, it, it came in Africa as well, but a little bit later, I think around 5,000 years ago or something. There's like six areas, there's the Fertile Crescent, there's North China, there's New Guinea, uh, Ethiopia, Western Africa, Mesoamerica and uh, the Amazon region. And uh, the oldest one is Southeast Asia. The sorry, Southwest Asia, the Fertile Crescent. That is the oldest one. It comes to like around 8,500 BC. And
0: just to give a context, there, the Fertile Crescent, like Southwest Asia, is uh, in today's world. You will see Israel, Palestine. Uh, Egypt-Turkey area No,
1: it's it's more Iran It's not Egypt It's more uh,
0: Yeah, the Northern like Egypt the I would upper. say Northern Egypt And yeah. you have Iran-Turkey So that area
1: It's more Mesopotamia Iran Those kinds of places uh-huh. Anyway, so uh, That was where The oldest proof Of food production Came about Which is interesting Because he also mentions That it's a curious thing That in places where there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of ecologically rich uh, plants and everything those were the places where uh, the food production sprang up and places that were ecologically very diverse and they had a lot of uh, different wildlife and fauna and flora those places did not see food production organized food production until the advent of the modern world so it's interesting that like, you have to wonder about the factors that led to Uh, certain people uh, going into food production, maybe it was because of scarcity of hunter-gatherer stuff or like maybe something else.
0: Basically, he mentions that, you know, how did crops, like how did uh, you basically domesticate crops and uh, animals, right? So, one is obviously you start independently, which you mentioned, it happened in China, it happened in the Fertile Crescent area and all of these areas that you mentioned. And on the other side, there were areas where people migrated to this new land and started cultivating crops there or introduced food production there. And then, you know, Jared Diamond mentions that there are two ways this could happen. One is, you know, I see Pushkar is planting crops, let me do that, do the the same. And I plant crops as well, so both of us have our farms. On the other hand, Pushkar being being Pushkar, he's planting crops and he's seeing me that I'm still a hunter-gatherer and I don't know how to plant crops. He comes to my area, he either kills me or relocates me and and takes my land and starts planting crops here. (laughs) that's a good example right people can visualize this now it is it
1: is yeah it is
0: and we'll discuss more on this but one line which I really liked in this book I don't know whether I'm quoting exactly or not he said that old Greeks and Germans were replaced by new Greeks and Germans
1: yeah so it was like an iOS update (laughs)
0: okay Well, this made me thinking that who are the original, like we say Americans, right, but actually Americans are not Americans. Native Americans are the actual Americans. Similarly, it happened that in Greeks and Germans, the people whom we call in today's world Greeks and Germans, or even in 500 years ago, whom we call Greeks and Germans, they were not exactly true Greeks and Germans. Uh, They were more uh, people who were from uh, Southwest Asia, who migrated
1: there. And there were old Greeks and Germans who were usurped by these areas. But okay, for example, the Indians that lived in the Indus Valley in 7000 BC are way different than the uh, Indians that live there today, because there's a lot of European and there's a lot of Mongolian influence there. You know, true. As we were discussing regarding, he mentions this word right, founding crops.
0: How were the how did the founding crops come to these areas which adopted food production? Was it uh, you know replicating what the neighbor is doing, or just did somebody just use up the land? and we see that there is one question which i really want to check your views here is that he mentions that in areas such as you know africa south africa majorly you have you know southwest uh, us or egypt mainly egypt right where adoption occurred where they saw that in my north, okay, food production is happening. Let me do the let me do the same. And he cites multiple reasons that why he's confident that adoption occurred here. On the other hand, he mentions and similarly on that line, sorry, uh, he mentions that most of these areas around that time period, which was in the olden times around you know 5000 uh, BC, most of these areas adopted food production. But in the more recent past, areas which developed food production was mainly because their lands were usurped by literate Europeans like the areas of California or, you know, North America, Argentina, Australia and Siberia. So my question here is that, again, it's a morality question. I don't know uh, what is its place in this chapter, but were old humans better? Like, were they more uh, cordial in understanding that, okay, you're doing a good thing. Let me also adopt that. But once humans became more literate and, you know, they became more organized, they started just capturing more and more land.
1: Maybe, I mean, there is that eternal question, right? Or that, like, my mind always goes back to 2001, a space odyssey. Where it's like, uh, you have all these monkeys living in uh, harmony, more or less harmony, there is like some territorial dispute. But once one of the monkeys figures out how to use a tool, like it doesn't take him two seconds to turn that tool into a weapon right i don't know how to answer this question honestly maybe they were maybe it was maybe old humans were more peaceful because they had no concept of violence but more than that maybe because they had no concept of ownership as such because you didn't have organized uh, food production or organized towns or uh, organized like settled living you know you didn't have people having houses and farms and uh, owning uh, domesticated animals so you had no concept of ownership and because of that It was just like, okay, if if this person is hunting here, I'll go hunt somewhere else. Uh, Yeah, so maybe, you know, because of that, we were more peaceful. Once we became literate, once we started living in cities in a more organized manner, the concept of ownership came about, the concept of currency came about, and that kind of gave rise rise to the haves and the have-nots, you know, which then led to maybe uh, all this looting and all this conquering and, you know, collisions between civilizations. I don't
0: know if there's much in this chapter. Again, it was a short one. So he also adds in this chapter, right, in a very minute point that how one question that everyone who's listening to us or who's reading this book can obviously ask that, what
1: are your basis of all this or whatever you're seeing, right? He does spend a lot of time talking about carbon dating and spectrometry. And yeah, so we'll not go in too much details. I think that is the part which I found most boring because it's just like, it's just, uh, it's chemistry. It's chemistry and geology. So I know it, it diverts a bit from no, more the- than chemistry, more than chemistry and geology. It's him kind of explaining things that don't necessarily need to be explained. Like mm-hmm. as as interest, like it would be interesting for a person who likes uh, carbon dating, who is into the process of finding these things. But I'm more of the uh, thinking. Like, I just want the rhetoric part of it. I'm more interested in that. I'm more interested in the reasoning and. Uh, the cause and effect you know and not like the how you added up the whole math of it yeah
0: makes sense but just to give some context right for people who might have these questions, howsoever minuscule that amount might be you know, i'm not going to the process of carbon dating or spectrometry you can go read that up uh, if you're interested but he mentions this one example which i found interesting was that uh, about the example of chickpeas where he said that yeah. it, it it was found in mediterranean and it traveled to ethiopia and you know to turkey uh, sorry uh, to india India is the world's largest producer of chickpeas. Yeah, 80% of chickpea comes from India. Yeah, so now the question can be asked is, where do you think chickpeas originated? And the most common answer will be India. But actually the answer is somewhere in Southeast Turkey.
1: Uh, much like the music of today's Bollywood, chickpeas originated in Turkey.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: let me tag some music artists from India here To take a
0: stab at you But yeah, moving on I think that basically, you know, sums up the chapter One new thing that we get to know from this chapter is that Where we expect food production to develop most Obviously, that did not happen It developed in the most arid of areas And in the most ecologically good areas uh, Food actually migrated there And there were, you know, different kinds of food production And
1: Another, another interesting thing was Cattle was domesticated around like 7000 BC Mm-hmm. and <laughs> i don't know it just it just sent me on a weird tangent of uh, people worshiping cows and uh, when exactly that started there is a chapter on religion
0: so when we come to that we'll get to we'll get to know more about it i guess yeah. But, uh, yeah i think that's basically it for this episode and to end it all off you know we have been bashing europeans like from the beginning of this book like uh, and we I will have...
1: continue to do so don't uh, think that this is over
0: yeah but we Always said that you know wherever Europeans went, uh, they you know exterminated the local uh, flora and fauna, and uh, they never domesticated anything. But but there is one, there is one indigenous domesticated crop in Australia. Can you guess what that is?
1: Indigenous domesticated crop in Australia.
0: The rest is all you know bought from Europe and all these Indonesian, all of that, right? But there's, there's only one.
1: What are we talking about? Vegemite? <laughs> no. <Arrow> roots? <laughs> no. Aragon? <laughs>
0: What the hell stop 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 Kangaroos <laughs> I was saying crop right kangaroos are not crop uh, I, I mean support. they
1: still eat kangaroos so you know
0: What? Yeah they do. Okay. Let's
1: just go away from that. The
0: indigenous crop is macadamia nuts.
1: Oh damn, I did not like I watched MasterChef Australia like I've been on a big MasterChef Australia branch and somehow I did not notice how like wow, shame on me well it should
0: be but yeah I think that brings us to the end of this episode and this chapter again it was a very short one yeah I think that brings you to the end. Pushkar do you have any closing remarks
1: Jared Diamond get your shit together pick your pace up uh, hopefully the next chapter is better yeah he has already written this book bro it's okay I'm just putting it out in the universe
0: maybe it'll happen yeah yeah but I guess you know it takes time for the good stuff to come Star Trek did not become a hit after first season, right? It took a few seasons. True true. True, 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 So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. And if you guys want, uh, you know, some a series like this sort, where basically you feel lazy enough to read a book and want us to read a book and explain it to you guys, then let us know what uh, it can be. The one recent recommendation that, like, I would like to give you all is uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. I'm loving that book. Absolutely, it is going parallelly with Guns, and Steel. Uh, guns, arms and steel deals with history of humanity and that deals with how our brain works. So it's just baffling to know both of them at the same time. Well, you know, I was just thinking that maybe, maybe there is a correlation on how our brains develop and how we take decisions from, you know, how humanity evolved. So maybe something could coincide somewhere or the other. Uh, this is a treat for people who have stuck through us to, towards the end of this episode. So Pushkar, do you want to give any book recommendations that you're reading right now?
1: I started reading Lord of the Rings finally, which is really fun. It's like reading a non-fiction book in itself because uh, J.R.R. Tolkien goes into more detail than Jared Diamond about things that do not even exist. So, that's fun. (laughs) Yeah, that's the fun. But read Lord of the Rings. I think it's a a great book. Yeah,
0: true, true. Okay, for fantasy lovers, do go grab that book and read it. But till then, uh, signing off. We'll catch you in the next episode of Cards, Germs and Steel. Till then, keep on listening. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. Follow us on social media and do let us know if you want to be part of the next episode. Till then, live long and prosper.